Hello and welcome to ASI, episode 81. Hey, maybe this is more about who I am over what I'm doing in my behavior, right? Maybe I'm the one, maybe I'm the one who is the schizophrenic psycho, yeah. Maybe I'm the one, maybe I'm the one who is the schizophrenic psycho. Yes, maybe I'm the one that's a paranoid psycho. Welcome, thanks for downloading the show today. I wanted to play that song as part of what I'm going to talk about today. Uh, that's by Puddle of Mud. The song's called Psycho, by the way. And I know I'm probably going to get emails from what, schizophrenics now, right? And they're going to be mad at me because, yeah, I played that song. And that's that song's offensive to schizophrenics, Russ. Come on. I'm offended by that. Well, I don't know. I guess I, uh, I didn't talk to that doctor, but uh, they could probably slap that label on me, too, somewhere along the line. I don't know. Just waiting for that email from some psychologist who's going to say, Oh, three layers of identity, huh, Russ? Uh, you name those? You talk to them when you're alone, do you? No. No, okay. That's it. <laughs> three layers of identity is about character and who you are. And uh, I think that song illustrates that. It's kind of an awakening point that you get to where you go, uh, Man, maybe... Maybe it's me, and I think that you know maybe I'm the one that's that's you know we, we rea- react so much to what's going on in our lives and our whether it's our jobs, our spouses, our relationships, and everybody else is at fault, right? It's all their fault, and they're all, everybody's coming down on me, and I'm gonna numb myself to the world that's all out to get me. All you people, you're all out to get me, and a lot of that's an attitude that a lot of people have. A lot of people who are you know, fall into addictions because of some kind of sensitivity that they have or a heart wound or whatever it is, it just seems that we, we get that, right? We we go to, uh, we go to, it's out there. It's outside of us. And I talked about that a lot, I'm trying not to be too redundant here, but that's really the full armor of God and that's what that scripture is written to. It's about your identity in Christ and really... Uh, unpacking that and finding out what that means because you're you're putting on armor you know to say that you put on armor to protect yourself from the big mean world is is really not true and this is something that I'm going to talk about here and there's there's different layers to this so I really want you to uh, to to understand what I'm about to say um, this show is going to be titled uh, the full armor of God the stuff I missed <laughs> because I did uh, I did quite a few shows on the on the subject, and there is stuff that I missed, and it's kind of like, kind of like mowing your yard, right? And you always, you know, you miss that strip along the way, and yeah, I missed a lot of little chunks. So I'm gonna go back over some of the stuff here, and uh, hopefully uh, mow over some of those spots that I missed. At any rate, the the thing that I was trying to uh, illustrate by playing that song and talking about identity over behavior is I think when we look at recovery as as you know I'm I'm going to go into a classroom I'm going to sit down and I put a pen and paper in front of me I'm going to take notes and I'm going to get instruction and and that somehow will fix me right 
And I think this illustration of armor is a beautiful illustration because it's actually equipping yourself with something. Um, and that has more to do with identity than it does instruction, right? It has to do more with who you are than what you know. You see what I'm saying? It, th- this is this is identity. This goes beyond just lessons that you learn in in, in some classroom type of a uh, aspect. Um, an example of this is is my whole falling away from from my faith when I went through that. Um, I just figured that this was all fake, and I just looked around at the church and I thought these people are all fakers. They're all idiots. There's no born again, what are you talking about? I heard a song that, that illustrated this beautifully. One of these awesome, angry metal songs <laughs> where the guy says, you know, I would rather you hate me for who I am now than love me for who I am living some kind of lie, right? Like morphing yourself into to something that you're not. You know, and that's what I, I kind of learned from the church is that I, I I looked at the church and one of my biggest criticisms that I used to because I just didn't understand right. But one of my biggest criticisms of the church was this new right like you drive around to churches and if you have churches in your neighborhood you look around and some of them are like new life center right new beginnings church live the new this new that come to new birth night or whatever, right? So there's this whole big emphasis on, on new, what's new. And my, my criticism of that was, you know, you're just saying that because no one can do it for a long period of time, so you have to keep recycling people like some kind of puppy mill because once people understand that they, they're not going to be able to change, then they just fall away, and you have to constantly call it the new something. You know, and that was my negative, bitter attitude towards religion. But there's some truth in that, Right? Like the song. The song said, uh, I would rather you, you hate me for, for, for you know who I am than love me for who I'm not. And, it, and that's that, that attitude that God is trying to make you some kind of robot or make you into some kind of a, a weird soldier, right? I heard Chuck Swindoll say, uh, it's not about, it's, unity is not uniformity, okay? Uniformity is like... Um, Ah, the best uh, uh, it's kind of like kind of like a band right like a high school band and everybody's wearing the same outfit they got the same uniform on right the police department but you know and everybody walks marches in lockstep uh, military that kind of thing that's uniform unity is is uh, is like what's on our money here in the United States we have a e pluribus unum is is on all of our money that with uh and God we trust is on our money as well. But e pluribus unum means um, out of many, one. Uh, unity in diversity. And that's really what I, I, I'm talking about, is, is really finding your identity and finding out who you really are underneath all that. right? Breaking away that surface identity that you thought was you for so long and finding out who you really are in the heart of who you are. Because here's the deal. God is not after your begrudging submission. Man, that, that is so true. God is not after you turning and putting on some kind of a jacket and, and, and you know, a jersey or, or a uniform and becoming part of the, you know, 
the 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 band, right? You're just going to be with that band and going to play that song because that's the song that everybody else is playing. So we're going to play that song. No, that is not the message of the gospel. It is not the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel is God loves you. Number one, right where you are. Number one, in all your sin and all your crap and all, all the filth, the, the crap that you think you are, he loves you right there. All right, that's the book of Romans, you know. Even in our sin, he died for us, right? He's being nailed to the cross and he's saying, Lord, forgive them for they don't know what they do. I mean, he forgave us in our sin. The book of Hebrews says the altar is closed, right? No more sacrificing goats and sheeps and all that stuff, you know. All your sin has been paid for once and for all. God says, I don't even remember it, the book of Hebrews. I believe that's chapter 11. So, so we start there, that, that it's news, right? It's a report of something that's already happened. It's not advice. It's not a, a, a uniform that you're thrown, at, you know, and you're supposed to put that on and join this new band that you're in. It's not that, not that kind of band, okay? We all make music. We all have a rhythm. But what I'm after and the new young, the new identity, where you're going to put this armor on is, is where you start, right? You, you put it on over your heart. You put it on over your heart. And to uh, break tradition, as I like to do on this show, going for the heart, I uh, thought of a, a, another analogy. as a pretty cool movie analogy. If you look at... Uh, Movies like like The Matrix and uh, the Terminator films, right? You got this uh, machines trying to kill us, right? Machines take us out, you know, in The Matrix, they're feeding off us, you know. And in the Terminator films, um, you know, they've pretty much tried to destroy, tr- destroy us, right? From the outside, you know, there's the stories of, of that, which is a cool stories, right? Machines are the bad guy. Machines grow a brain of their own and find us to be vermin or, you know, in the Matrix, like batteries. And, uh, you know, they're, they're bad. They're mean. Um, this movie, Wall-E, I encourage you to check this out. It's, a, it's by the Pixar people that did the, the Pixar films. I love all the Pixar films. I mean, there's always some kind of spiritual truth to the, to the Pixar films. Sure, they're, they're animated films. People, oh, those are for kids. No, you know, if you don't have kids, whatever. you got to see... The Pixar films. Wally is a is a great example of of this story played out in a very different way, right? Like instead of machines coming to kill us and do us harm or do us malice, right? The the machines in this film, like it's three hundred years in the future, right? And people have left the Earth, right? We've used up all the resources on the Earth, and uh, and this is not like this some kind of preachy, Al Gore, environmental kind of a thing. It's more like we just got bored here, right? We, we used it all up. We threw it out. Let's go, let's go someplace else, find something else to do. So everybody gets on these big cruise ship-like spaceships, right? Imagine if that was paid for. Like you could have this massive, awesome luxury cruise for free, you know, and people be like, sweet. So they get on these spaceships, right? And they're launched into space. And, and, and this is an awesome picture of, of, you know, the opposite of George Orwell kind of a thing, where 
the machines kind of kill us with kindness. Because everybody in this film, like, all the people are, uh, you know, it's 300 years later, all the people are these big, fat blobs, and they sit in these big, like, lazy boy kind of recliner chairs that kind of float around, and they all have, like, this notebook computer screen in front of them, and they have this little device on the side where, you know, you boop, boop, push a couple buttons, and boom, you got food, right? So they just, all they have to do is just sit there, they got everything, right, screen in front of them, food, you know, they cruise around in, on the ship in these big, you know, big chairs, these big lazy boy-like chairs, you know? And I thought, wow, that's, uh, that's every person's dream, right? They don't even have to walk. And uh, there's this point in the movie where the ship gets jostled a little and some of the people kind of fall out of their chairs. And, you know, one looks at the other and they're like, hey, hi, who are you? You know, kind of getting outside of being alone. But it's funny that all the people in this film are totally a slave to their comfort, right? And I thought that was a, a great picture of what the full armor of God were putting on, on armor to protect ourselves from to protect ourselves from ourselves to a certain degree. Because in the movie Wall-E, Wall-E finds life on Earth, right? We've left Earth, there's no life there, check out, you know. And he finds this little plant, him and his, like, girlfriend, right? And so, these they send these probes to Earth to constantly look for life. So they find life, and then the machines, who have all these people that they are serving, right? That they're just kind of lulled into this existence... The machines, um, when the when the captain finds out that there's life back on Earth, let's hey, let's you know, it's been 300 years. Maybe we should just head back and not give up on the Earth. And he's like, let's go. And the machines are like, no, right? Then then the machines become hostile. No, you you stay comfortable. You you stay right where you're at. And it reminded me of uh, of the story in, in Luke four where Jesus is tempted by the devil, right? Not like the little crackhead demons that you and me are tempted by, but the devil, okay? And maybe some of this is, you know, sexual addiction stuff has to do with uh, with getting the, the varsity demons after us, okay? Because this is, uh, you talk about the fiery arrows and bringing out the, the heavy artillery. Jesus is faced with it here. In, uh, in Luke 4, and I, and I love this because it, it reminded, this movie reminded me of this, this whole, uh, with this analogy that, that it's, it's not the, it's comfort, right? It's a great example of the church, too, like Wally is, is Martin Luther or something, you know, pointing back, hey, you know, maybe it's not all about this religious thing that, that we've built, maybe there's actually life out there and people need Jesus and not religion, and I mean, the church went underground for a while with with Martin Luther and that that whole deal. But anyway, here, check this out. This is Luke chapter four. Find it for you here. Here we go. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for forty days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. Okay, so the days have ended, right? It's been 40 days. He's done fasting. All right, he could eat now. You know, time's up. It's okay to eat. But, check this out. Verse 3. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. 
right? So Jesus is like tempted with his own identity. Like the devil's first fiery arrow he fires at him. And this is like, okay, these are the queen ant kind of fiery arrows, all right? I talked about in some earlier shows about watching the behavior and, and kind of like whack-a-mole and really, you know. And, and that's true. You should do that. Watch what you let burn in your mind, okay? You see some hot chick, right, or some hot dude, and, and that that image starts to burn in your mind and then it becomes a sexual image and then it becomes a porno movie in your head like burn it out quick put that thing out quick right i talked about that that's that's behavior okay that's a behavior thing you can do that on the surface you can do that but what's underneath that what's underneath that jesus is uh is attacked in his identity okay if you're the son of god you know why don't you just eat turn them rocks into bread I mean, seriously, if that's really who you are, you know, attacking, it's like, go for that surface thing. Why don't you feed the surface you, Jesus? You, you've been hungry. It's 40 days. Your time's up. Go ahead. Feed the surface you. The surface you can do anything it wants. You're like a superhero, you know? Verse 4, and Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. I love that. It's not all about the surface, Right? He tells the devil, my, my heart is hungry, and, and you're trying to feed, you know, you're, uh, you know, so that Jesus answers him on that. I love that. Man shall not live on bread alone. Right? Our hearts have an appetite. They really do. And we starve our hearts to the point where they're just shriveled up little, you know, raisins, you know? I love that picture of uh, Jim Carrey in the in the movie The Grinch where... You know, they show that part, and his, and his heart shrunk, shrunk three sizes that day, you know. And Jim Carrey looks at the camera as the Grinch, and he says, Yep, I'm going to keep it off this time, <laughs> you know. The truth is, yeah, you, you feed that feed that surface you. It's, yeah, you know, what does that do to your heart? Long term. Who are you? You know? Verse 5, And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Like the devil had some kind of a, you know, screen thing that he could throw in front of Jesus and say, Boom, here, see this? Cities, kingdoms, all this, all the, the, the splendor of the earth. Here, you can have this. Right? It had to have looked good to him. You know, the devil's an ultimate salesman, right? And he said to him, to you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, the devil says, it will be yours. Right? It's kind of the first sin in the garden. I mean, that's what the the devil throws at Eve, right? Hey, the tree of life? Yeah, the devil's ripping, you know, God's ripping you off, the devil says. The, God is the devil. That's <laughs> you know, what the the serpent tells Eve, right? God's holding out on you. If you knew, if you could know, imagine that. And Jesus answered him, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. It's the exact text. These are the words of Jesus. It's all the way back to Exodus 20, right? What do we worship? What is God after? God's after our heart. What does He want? Our put our hope in in Him. 
and feed our heart. Wake up in the morning. Paul says, you know, the surface identity. I love this. Paul says, uh, I think it's Corinthians 6, that, you know, food for the stomach and the stomach for food, right? Talking about sex. He was talking about sex to begin the, the chapter. And, and he said, you know, God's going to burn them off in the end. Right? God destroys it all. This all is all going to burn. King Solomon says, "We, you know, God put eternity in the hearts of men. We're we're to serve God. And we get to the other side of the grave, and it is a big party of reverence to God. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Right? Throw yourself down from here. Just go ahead and, you know, throw yourself down from here and and watch God save you, because he'll do that. And if you look at really the depth of that, I think what the devil was really trying to get at Jesus was, you know, because Jesus knew what he had to do at this point. I think he knew he was facing the cross. Oh, just throw yourself from here and God will save you. He's not going to let you hurt Jesus. You're going to hurt Jesus, really, are you? You're going to go through some pain? And then he quotes Jesus' scripture, right? I find this fascinating. The devil himself cracks open the Bible, all right, and he starts quoting back to Jesus Scripture. How many how many times does this happen? You know, you don't have to hurt. I mean, you're going to face the cross. You're going to you're going to go and hurt and and die and suffer and die for these people. I mean, look what it's look what's written in the Scripture. You know, just to throw that little seed in his head, right? Just uh, brutal, vile, diabolic. Get Jesus thinking about that. You don't even have to strike your foot against a stone. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your feet against a stone. You know, the devil can take scripture out of context like the best of them. You know? This this is uh, something that happens to us. You want to talk about some of the queen ant fiery arrows. Some of the big artillery that the devil gives you can come right from your own people in your church, man, you really got to watch and keep your eyes open to what people say to you. Because especially you, you confess some of this stuff, like I'm telling you to confess and be open about this stuff. And man, if you cheated, I think it's important that you need to get that out in the open eventually with, with people involved, people around to love you, but you really got to watch who's around you because there's people who will say, you know, you're going to let her talk to you that way. Or shouldn't she forgive? The Bible says to forgive, you know how brutal um, confessing something like this is? It is brutal, and it is heart-wrenching. And, and your spouse will forgive you, probably. You know, I don't know, man. I can't, I, I can't be sure how, how, what that's going to look like. But they're going to go through these times of, you know, like, like a, waves. Waves of pain. And there's a train right there. Like being... Right. Like the horn on the train. (laughs) You know? It's going to hurt like that. Like their soul just got ran over by a train. Right? And they're going to go through these shockwaves of pain. 
And who are you talking to? You go to your church and you start listening to people who will sit around and they'll point the finger at your spouse and quote scripture about how they should be faithful and how you should just, you know, you just maybe need to, to, to back away or maybe you need to move out, guys. Right? They'll say stuff like that. You know, I can get guys at work to rip on my wife for me. It, it's cowardly. Right? I mean, you get around people and they just want to kind of protect you and they put you in a pinnacle and they, they say, oh, look at you and poor you. And then they'll start, I mean, Christian folks will even quote scripture to say, look at your wife and what she's doing, how she should get right. Or he should get right. What, he can't forgive you? Jesus forgave us and died on a cross. And You know, yeah, they should. Ultimately, it, it's going to take... That, that, that's their journey. And you're not their counselor. And you need to love them through that. You need to love them through that. Even when they're throwing knives at you. Or even when they hurt you. I mean, I'm not talking about physical abuse here. That's different. But I'm talking about you're going to go through some pain. And they're going to see you as the enemy for a while if you confess this. And and even if you haven't, I don't know where you're at. In your marriage, if you're in a relationship, um, even if you're single, all this stuff about the, the devil, it quote in scripture, right? I mean, who whose side are they on? Are they into, like God said, the two become one flesh? Do not, do not let anything break apart what I have put together. Mark 10. God says that. Let no man tear apart what I've put together. And church people can be can just decide right with the devil, right? They pull out the Bible. Oh, let me see what the Bible says about forgiveness, and they should just forgive you. That's going to take some time, all right? It's going to take some time. It, it's. <laughs> I'm passionate about this stuff. I really am. We need to to love our spouse. The bottom line is we need to love our spouse. And you use scripture to love, to understand that. Jesus answered him after the devil quotes some scripture, right? It is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him. He had left him until he had a, a better opportunity. And, and the devil will do that with you as well. That's verse 13. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. It's the right opportunity. What, when is the devil going to hit you with the right opportunity? You know, when everything's happy and going well for you? He's going to look for the time when you got the shield of faith. A little bit lower, right? And a lot of us can think that it can be, you know, and I talked about confessing to your spouse and what that's going to look like, and that'll be a time of winter for you. That'll be a dark season for you for a while, and you're going to feel alone in some of those times, and it's going to be tough, and your spouse is going to have to work that out. Okay, and, and I'm talking about couples, all right, I'm talking about relationships, and if you're single, I don't want you to tune out, because this is about opportunity too, right? Because here's the deal, you can fall in love with someone, and it can be puppy dogs and ice cream, and, and here's the deal, you're going to love that person through the enchantment, C.S. Lewis calls it, that part of the relationship, but sooner or later, you have to, you have to give of yourself, 
You have to feed their heart from yours. And, and here's the deal, and this is why this is so important. This is so, I want you to uh, tackle this addiction before you get married, before you have that deep relationship. Because you can love that person with all your heart and soul. I love my wife with all my heart and soul. But sadly, if you're feeding that part of you, that, that sexual freaking vampire part of you, if you keep feeding that, you will be about as faithful as your next opportunity to cheat. If your mind is full of lust and porno movies. If that stuff is flowing through the surface of you, if that's who you are, I pray that before you get involved in a deep relationship, that you get that freaking vampire taken care of. You put a stake through its heart. You keep listening to me. You talk to some people. Do this. Because the devil would love to use those opportunities to take you and your marriage down so you can have the dark black winter that uh, some of the people who are listening to me are going to have to face through confession. Now, I don't know how bad it's going to get. I don't know how bad it's going to look for you. But I do know your soul isn't free with that secret walking around. like holding a beach ball underwater as far as intimacy is concerned. They don't really know you. And again, man, you've got to do this in community. You've got to do this with people around you to love you through it. And, and that's where, you know, the shield of faith comes in. And that's where I love that, that passage in, in Corinthians. Where Paul says... You know, hey, we're to be pitied among men, right? This is this is faith. This is getting to the roots of faith. If Christianity isn't real, if Jesus didn't die on the cross and was raised on the third day, okay, if there's some tomb somewhere where Jesus is actually buried, if Jesus isn't alive, then we should be pitied among men. Okay, that's a surfacey attitude that we just have this Jesus lifestyle. And it's a better life if we can live like Jesus. No, no, we're to be pitied. This is when your faith, this, this is when your faith, this is being baptized by fire, okay? Deeper than the, the horrible, harsh stuff, the, the nuclear missiles being shot at you, Right? The weird matrix-like creature that's, you know, drilling a fiber optic tube into the back of your head. Deeper than that, the devil hits Jesus with comfort, surface control, surface comfort. Feed that. Because I think the real issue is... I mean, what happens most of the time when our shield of faith is down is that, you know, we just we just have grace, right? And that's one of the times when, when our faith gets rattled the most is when we just kind of lean on this, oh, well, Jesus forgives me and I have grace, you know? And that's true. But what does that mean for your relationship with God? Because the Corinthians said the first thing. I love this. This is that passage in 1 Corinthians 6. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be enslaved by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food, but God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but the Lord and the Lord for the body. 
God raised the Lord and he will also raise up us by his power. This is the, the faith. This is faith. Because when we started fall back into that those thoughts and, and sex being our savior and the, the next orgasm is going gonna, is gonna to lull me into feeling better, right? Like the people in the Wall-E movie. No, that's feeding that surface identity. There's another great illustration of this in uh, John 6, where Jesus has just fed 5,000 people with, with, you know, five loaves of bread. And people are, you know, astonished at this, right? They're amazed. And, you know, when Jesus answered them in verse 26, this is John 6, verse 26, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say unto you, you who are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Right? You got your bellies full. It wasn't me, but you got your bellies full. Do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. And they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? They asked. Can I, can I gold star it, right? Can I run the marathon and get the, get the ribbon at the end? Is that, is that what we're supposed to do to get this bread of life? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. And I love that, uh, that answer by Jesus, about it, and it's about righteousness, right? Breastplate of righteousness. This is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. That's Jesus, right? Jesus is saying over and over again, I am the Father, and the Father is with me, and I am the one sent by the Father. We lean on Jesus, not our own works. Not our own works. We lean on Christ, on faith in Christ alone. Because that's what Jesus is going to answer the devil back with in Luke 4, right? Verse 11, you know, when the devil's telling him, on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You shouldn't have to hurt Jesus, you know. And we start to feel that way when, when the pressures of life start to come down on us, especially when we're doing the right thing, you know. So maybe I'm maybe I'm testing God with, with what's gonna feel good on the surface, and if he doesn't just give me my surface feel good, you know cushy lifestyle then then maybe that's maybe it's not right you know that's just another fiery arrow massive huge artillery fiery arrow being shot at us it doesn't feel good on the surface so doesn't pass my test all right jesus says don't put the lord your god to the test that's another huge one. That's another queen ant kind of a, a deal, right? Like we we test God. And I've heard this. Here's another one. Talk about the devil quote in scripture. I've heard this, this, uh, this uh, you know, 
put the, the put tithes and offerings, right? You pay your 10%, and then God's going to give you back 100% later, right? God's your stockbroker, and, and He's going to give you your functional Savior. You know, I mean, where is our heart in our giving? Are we giving to get? Because there's a whole sect of Christianity that will teach you that, yeah, you, you give to get. Okay, that's, that's, you don't put God to the test like that. And especially when it comes, I mean, your heart, that is such a minuscule part of, of the blessing, right? Sure, do I believe the prosperity gospel? You know, it depends on what you mean by that. God says he wants to give us the, the you know, the desires of our heart. Our heart. And if the desires of your heart are a bigger house, a bigger car, a nicer job. You might just have money as the pinnacle top master of your life. Money's the master, right? And God is the bondservant to get you your money, your lifestyle, out of your functional hell. Okay? Don't put the Lord your God to the test like that. You worship your, the Lord your God. That's, that's what Jesus is talking about. We don't live on bread alone. Alright, if you end up with a big house and big nice car and all that stuff, glory be to God, but that's not the primary focus. That's, that's you know, that is so side effect, right? Side effect. If, if you even get there. It is so about your heart. And, and those are the queen ant fiery darts, right? Like the, that, that is, is the, the devil firing the big artillery at Jesus. All right? The devil. Not, not crackhead demon with surfacey temptations to try and screw you up for a day. These are the big artillery that will screw up your life. If I just got that girl, if I just got that job... Jesus, it says right here, test me in this. If I give 10%, I'm going to get blessed. It's not always a... It's not about that. It's where your, where's your heart at in that? All right? Where's your heart at? And the blessings, are they going to come through another monetary reward? Like you're investing in the stock market or something? No. Be spiritual reward. It might not come till the next, you know, beyond the grave. You don't know. You give out of your heart because you want to, because you get to, not because you're going to get some cookie later. Let me put that verse in context for you. It's Malachi 3:10, which is so taken out of context. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test as the Lord of hosts if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Okay? Now that verse can be just about surfacy money, right? Or it can be about heart condition. Right? It could be about your heart. It's about robbing God. Here, if you go down a few verses, if you read the whole chapter, this whole book of Malachi is about Jesus, about Jesus coming, right? Check this out. If you go down to, uh, 
go down to verse 14. I don't have time to read the whole thing, but check this out. This is so poignant to what uh, what he was trying to say here. You have said, it is vain to serve God. What is the profit of our keeping his charge or of walking as in mourning before the Lord of hosts? And now we call the ignorant blessed. Evildoers only prosper if they put God to the test and then they escape. Okay, I've talked about how, you know, uh, is it vain to serve God? I think the thing that I'm trying to say here is that we get to go to work with Dad, okay? Yeah, if you're trying to do it, if you're if you're making yourself be obedient, we're missing the boat, right? If we're making ourselves give money because we're expecting something in return like that, we're missing the point. And I'll go even a step farther here. And I've talked about this on the show. That if, if you get a, into counseling, if you pay your money to have somebody counsel you, you're gonna I, I pray to God you put some weight on that. Okay, where your heart is your treasure is and, and for every one of us, uh, you know, speaking especially here in the United States, we put our back and the sweat of our brow to making money, right? So, when we pay money to a counselor, or even if you give to your church, or if you give to, to this show, wherever the direction of the money is, especially if you're, if you're taking counsel from someone, if you're taking someone's advice or, or the words that, that people are telling you to help break this addiction, for example... You know, if you're going to give your money, let that money have weight to it. When you're out there breaking your back to do your job or, or you know, remember that. That you're taking the advice that you're given in. And that can be a great way to get another counselor. If the counselor you have isn't working for you and you've been with them for two years and you're still paying, you know, 70, 80, 200 bucks a session, maybe it's time to get out and find somebody who can have the... You know, who 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 can impact your soul? Because this is not this thing way up here on the surface that says ten percent you give, you get back this. That's not what God is saying here. It's not what Malachi the prophet was saying. All right, robbing God is this surface attitude, and and that's what I'm trying to get at with this whole, you know. Wall E analogy that I think the church needs to look at the arts, look at the people in the culture, and, and, and say, hey, maybe there's life out there. Because the church has been in decline for about, like the movie said, about 300 years. About 150 years, really, in this country. It's gone back and forth, but but really, you know, there is life out there. The 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 music that I'm using on the show today is from modern uh, rock, the the billboard charts, mainstream rock charts of today are talking more about the temptations that Jesus was afflicted with than I could find in Christian secular or Christian music today. Yeah, this is secular music, you could call it. But there is a cry from the hearts of these people who make this music that is saying, hey, um, 
I'm being tempted here in a deep, horrible way. I mean, they're less worried about the, the stuff on the surface than they are about the, the cry of their hearts. I feel like it's never enough. I feel like the only beautiful is that surfacey beautiful. Right? And I want you to hear me out, because I'm not here to bag on the prosperity gospel, okay? And that's kind of what I do here. You Serving God, trusting God, understanding God can break your addictions to the things that are, that are owning you, that are mastering you, like sexual addiction. Okay, but more than that, deeper than that, much deeper than that, I'm going to try and ask you who you are. Who are you? And that's what the Bible is trying to set into motion here with this whole born-again analogy, right? Who are you? Who are you going to be? Who are you going to be? The past is gone. It's over. It's finished. All you have is the future. It's laid out beside, in front of you like empty pages. And who are you going to be? Ecclesiastes, man, I love King Solomon. I mean, he had a lot of analogies to this. He said, listen, it's great to have wealth because then you can have more friends, you know? You can have more people around you to share Jesus with. But he also said this, Ecclesiastes 7.1, A good name is better than precious ointment, and the day of death is better than the day of birth. Check out this song. This is by... uh five-fingered death punch. I love this. I had to play a little bit of this tune because it's where our hearts can go when they start to shrink, when we feed nothing but the surface our identity. It's always do this, do that, everything they want to. I don't want to live that way. Every chance they get, they're always pushing me away. of thinking has you feel like you know if i could just be good enough then then god would bless me and god's just disappointed me and and it's never enough right it's just never enough and i can't get favor with god we don't realize we already have favor with god you know that's the breastplate of righteousness that you put on we already have favor with God. It's already been paid for. God loves us. He died for us on the cross. You know, my righteousness is through Jesus and Jesus alone. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing good that I have done. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. If we feel like it's about how we can do the right thing, then it's never enough. If we feel like we get blessed with monetary reward for, for you know, for testing God, you know, if, if God would, would measure up, you know, if God would measure up, then I would get my, my cookie. Then we start to go back to works, right? We start to look at works. We don't look at our heart and our soul. We look at our surface obedience, that, you know, Isaiah says in, in it's just filthy rags. It's just filthy rags before him.
All your good deeds, your righteous acts, it's filthy rags. Used tampons. That's what it is. Before God. Your your righteous acts, you don't get favor with God that way. And this starts to go to relationship. And we start to look at our relationships as, you know, it's never enough. I can't be good enough. I can't do this. I'm, I'm so messed up. And no one cares. Everyone else is deranged too, and they're... They don't care about me. We start moving away from God because we feel like it's never enough. We can't do it right. We're not good enough. And the point is we're not good enough. We're not. Check this out. Visually stimulating to my eyes. are concealed by your pride Pretty soon your ego will kill what's left inside Just as beautiful as you are It's so pitiful what you are You should have seen this coming all alone. That song illustrates a heart condition so you who have yours, let let yourself hear, let your heart hear what's going on out there. Okay. And and here's I'm going to pull out the sword of the spirit for you, so I can fight against some of this this attitude that God you know loves you only if you can be good enough, and it's never enough because we're all broken. And that is not true. Galatians chapter 5 and the whole book of Galatians man here's an action step for you read the book of Galatians it's a letter from Paul to a hyper religious uh, city of people group of people who have just become all about religion and they forgot about the blood of Christ and a relationship with God anyway Galatians 5 starting in verse 22 but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. I would say to help you understand that a little more, the, the vampire. We have crucified the vampire. Jesus helps us do that. We don't do that on our own. That vampire that's just constantly wanting to feed. Push your heart away. Beat it. Beat it with a golf club, right? That's what the vampire wants to do. Smash our heart like a piece of glass. Lock it away somewhere as cold and icy. Let our hearts get cold. That's what... That's what the vampire in us is after. And we let Jesus live in our heart. We get a new heart. And that part of us can be crucified. My name is Russ. The website is 
ASI247.org. If you could leave a donation, I would certainly appreciate it, as this is a listener-supported show. Help me, uh, help me leave the, the ripple effect, and, and pray for me that I have the right words. All three of those songs that I played on the show, the bumpers I played today, are all songs that are in the top 20 list hits of uh, 2008 summer, August here. On the, the modern rock charts and the billboard charts, those are all very popular songs today. So I pray that your ears are, are open to the people around you as well. This is the heart cry of a nation. And, and it's funny how I was looking into, we'll put quotes around this, secular music to find this message, right? I had a very hard time looking for Christian music that would talk about the deep queen ant fiery darts being fired at the souls of people. But here, in, in modern rock, people are talking about the deep cries where their hearts are being impacted on the deeper levels. And these are these are songs of lament, right? Like the Psalms, like the Book of Lamentations. Sadly, in Christian music, it's hard to find those kinds of uh, Luke 4 heavy artillery, heart wounds, fighting that uh, those fiery dart kind of song. So, you know, I pray that maybe you've heard one. Send, me, send one to me, russ at asi247.org. I know I hammer some of the religious types a lot, but I think that they are the biggest part of the audience, and I'm speaking to them as well. And I pray that you would you would help partner with me in that financially, you know. And that's kind of this this whole thing with your money being so close to your heart, right? Where your treasure is, your heart is also. So you know, and I'm not sitting here trying to beat this the drum of me making a fortune off of ASI. That's not what I'm after. I'm just barely paying my bills. I just pray that you would you would give to the show. And not just money, but prayers. Pray for me. Pray for me. Pray that I can leave this ripple effect. The new young, realizing what the new young is, that we can just rest in being us, right? That we can push through the anxiety with perseverance. You know? The depression. That we can let go of some of that depressed state and try and really realize that we're alive. That, you know, that the childlike part of us, not the childish part, right? But the, the childlike part of us that just wants to play, that just wants to be with dad, that just wants to love, that just wants to have a little fun, that just, you know, the, the childlike part of you, that, that innocent part of you that's still in there somewhere, right? That beautiful part of you, the, the part of you that God made, that God, your true identity in Christ is, is that. It's that, that that little kid that wants to have some fun and just wants to play and wants to rest in in the fact that God loves you 
and he's there for you. And he's got his arm around you, and he will protect you. And watch for the people that he puts in your life, and and watch for the the true friends that you can have, the the friends that are you know about your heart, that that care about you, not just care about what you can get them, or you know, I mean, pray that out. Because the deep, heart-level, heavy artillery of the devil is, don't you dare have that childlike ferve for life, right? Don't you dare have that childlike attitude for life. You know, and even the apostles fall to it. I mean, the apostles are hanging out with Jesus, right? A bunch of little kids run up to them, and, and they're like... Going, hey, you know, we got important religious business to conduct. We can't, we won't have time for kids. And Jesus is like, no, stop. You know, you fools don't get it. Let me hang out with the kids. Let's have the kids over and let's hang out with them. Let's be with them. Let's pray with them. Because what happens later on, right? Jesus is going to face the cross. He comes back. He finds his buddies sleeping. Bring the kids to me, Jesus said. Right? I want to hang out with the kids. Because it is messed up, man. It is messed up. And we, we so get into this mode where we just want to push out that childlike attitude and not just really live from our hearts. That you can be that, that kid with, right? I'll leave you with a song by Our Lady Peace. The song is called Life. Remember... Life is 20% the stuff that happens to you and 80% how you react to that 20%. My name's Russ Shaw. Bye. How many times have you been pushed around? Is anybody there? Does anybody care? How many times have your friends let you down? Is anybody there? Did anybody stand? Uh. How many times have your friends let you down? Just open up your heart. Just open up your mind. How many times has your face slipped away? Does anybody save? Does anybody?